Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more. No my hairy Mike, you're at Tanakwe, Free FM 89.0, Independent Community Media. It's February 26th, 2023, day 57, 308 days to go, and this is my opinion. Well, assaults, drunkenness, vagrancy, everything is happening on the Hamilton streets in the last couple of days. Thursday night. A friend of mine who runs a bar downtown got assaulted by a man. Drunkenness on the streets, the police carting off people down to the police station in handcuffs. A man urinating on the street. This is just Hamilton, Thursday, Friday and Saturday nights. I think the police have to get more proactive. And after watching on Friday night, a man who kind of was belligerent outside the nightclub that I go to. He threw a glass onto the ground after snatching it from a customer. He'd been in the bar and was told to leave. Guess what? When the police arrived, the owner got the police there and she was ropeable after the man was put into a taxi by the police sergeant. That man should have been taken down to the police station. We need a night court down at the police station. They've got room down there at the police station for a, for a CM or a, or a JP. Instant $100 fines. And if you haven't got any money, seven days in jail. Something has got to move in this city because this city is getting rougher and rougher with the freedom of alcohol, cheap alcohol pouring down people's throats. At, uh, on Friday, Saturday night and even Thursday night when my friend got assaulted. This city is going from bad to worse. And I think the police have to get tougher. The city council has to get tougher on this and maybe they'll impose some new rules. Yeah, as soon as uh, the alcohol goes down the mouth, the mouth starts moving and we get people shouting at each other, etc., etc., and I know one bar owner, the bar owner last night had to stop an argument between two guys. It is getting bad in the city. Anyway, as I said, it is February 26, 2023. Well, 1995, we're going to look at in a couple of minutes, but let's play the song that was number one in New Zealand this day in 1970. <laughs> Yes, Badfinger were number one in New Zealand this day in 1970. Well, in 1995, Bearings Bank, the world's oldest trading establishment, collapsed. This after Nick Leeson lost $1.4 million by speculating on the Singapore Money Exchange and using future contracts. After being convicted, Leeson served six years, released after four, from a Shangi prison. In recent years, Leeson has served as a football club CEO and as an after-dinner speaker. And in 1995, this was one of the big hits. This is M People, Search for the Hero. Sometimes the river 
Free FM, 89.0, independent community media. Good afternoon to you. Mel Driscoll joining us shortly in guests. And that is M People, search for the hero. Well, it's a famous birthday that we are going to celebrate today. Um, 1932, 91 years ago today, singer, songwriter and actor Johnny Cash was born in Kingston, Arkansas, served in the Air Force, married his first wife Vivian in 1954 and divorced in 1966. At the time when he married Joan Carter of the famous Carter family, he was in the middle of a big drug addiction. They married in 1968 and they were together to their deaths in 2003. Sun Records, Columbia and Mercury plus other labels. Johnny Cash died September 12, 2003, age 71. Here's Johnny Cash and the late Waylon Jennings and the late Hank Williams came to town. Harry Truman was our president. A Coke and burger cost you 30 cents. I was still in love with Mavis Brown On the night Hank Williams came to town I Love Lucy debuted on TV That was one big event we didn't see Cause no one stayed at home for miles around It was the night Hank Williams came to town I drove on out to Grapevine and picked old Mavis up We hit that county line for one quick round On the night Hank Williams came to town A thousand people sweltered in the gym Then I heard someone whisper, hey that's him that's when the crowd let out this deafening sound It was the night Hank Williams came to town On and on he sang into the night Jumbalot, heart, I saw the light And how'd they get Miss Audrey in that gown on the night Hank Williams came to town Mavis had her picture made with Hank out by his car She said he sure is humble for a grand old opera star Mavis said why don't we hang around it ain't often that Hank Williams comes to town While Hank signed his autograph on Bueller Reisner's fan Mavis got acquainted with the drifting cowboys band The effect on all our lives was quite profound On the night Hank Williams came to town
Independent community media, the late great Johnny Cash, tonight Hank Williams came to town. Yeah, his birthday today. He would have been around 91 years old if he was still alive today. And one of his great friends was Johnny Horton, who sadly died at the age of 32. The Germans had the biggest ship that had the biggest guns. The Bismarck was the fastest ship that ever sailed the sea. On her decks were guns as big as steers and shells as big as trees. Out of the cold and foggy night came the British ship, the Hood. And every British seaman he knew and understood. They had to sink the Bismarck, the terror of the sea. Stop those guns as big as steers and those shells as big as trees. We find that German battleship that's making such a fuss. We gotta sink the Bismarck cause the world depends on us. Hit the decks around and boys, just spin those guns around. But when we find the Bismarck, we gotta cut her down. The hood found the Bismarck and on that fatal day. The Bismarck started firing 15 miles away. We gotta sink the Bismarck, was the battle sound. But when the smoke had cleared away, the mighty hood went down. For six long days and weary nights, they tried to find her trail. Churchill told the people, put every ship a sail. Cause somewhere on that ocean, I know she's gotta be. We gotta sink the Bismarck to the bottom of the sea. They find that German battleship is making such a fuss. We gotta sink the Bismarck cause the world depends on us. Hit the decks are running, boys, and spin those guns around. When we find the Bismarck, we gotta cut her down. The fog was gone the seventh day and they saw the morning sun. Ten hours away from homeland, the Bismarck made its run. The admiral of the British fleet said, turn those bows around. We found that German battleship and we're gonna cut her down. The British guns were aimed and the shells were coming fast. The first shell hit the Bismarck, they knew she couldn't last. That mighty German battleship is just a memory. Sink the Bismarck was the battle cry that shook the seven seas. We found that German battleship was making such a fuss. We had to sink the Bismarck cause the world depends on us. We hit the deck running and we spun those guns around. Yeah, we found that mighty Bismarck and we had to cut her down. We found that German battleship for making such a fuss. We had to sink the Bismarck cause the world depends on us. We hit the deck running and we spun those guns around. We found that mighty Bismarck and then we cut her down. FM 89.0 Independent Community Media Listening to Paul McCartney and Wings Number one Nine weeks back in 1977 That's how popular the song is Mall of Kintyre 
Good afternoon, Nell. Good afternoon, and to Alec Calderwood. You were born at Motherwell, southeast of Glasgow, Scotland. That's, that's correct. You plead guilty? <laughs> Strange to relate. Directly across the other side of River Clyde lies a city, Hamilton. A place name destined to come up later in your life? That's uh, correct, yes. I've been living in Hamilton, New Zealand now since 2001. And in um, Scottish football terms, there's a great rivalry between Motherwell and Hamilton. A thousand years ago, a Roman road through central Scotland ran along Motherwell's side of River Clyde. Do you think the Romans had an ear for the bagpipes? I'm sure they do, because the bagpipes has got a long history. They're not just Scottish. They've been played in lots of different countries all over the world. Um, people adapt a bag and a drone and a chanter and off they go. By the start of the 19th century, Motherwell was a small hamlet, a farming community of some 600 people living close to a 16th century Laird's Manor, Jefferson House. What changed? What changed? Well, Motherwell is Motherwell became a hub of the steel making and coal mining industry in the west of Scotland, and uh, you. When I was, both my parents met in the steelworks in um, in near in, in Motherwell. Well, at the moment, we'll take a break and just think of this thing. You ever been to the Mullican Tire? No, but I've drunk the whiskey. Uh, I, this is a good song for Paul McCartney. Because he used to live in the area, so uh, the cam was it the Cameltown Pipe Band or one of their pipe bands? They walk along the beach, remember in their video, and um, I do, I do remember seeing that on top of the pops while I still lived in Scotland. Well, as you probably know, as Mel has told you, I'm the host of Scotty's Place here on Free FM, and um, one o'clock on Fridays. So, your my Scottish links go back many, many years, and uh, so you've got a long history with Scotland. I do. I was born in Scotland in 1960 mm. and I left to go and work overseas in 1984. So growing up in, born in Motherwell, grew up in Glasgow. Um, and yeah, you just grew up with Scottish culture around you. Yeah, no, we, we, we hear a lot of, about Glasgow and other cities like Aberdeen and others. And um, what's so special about Glasgow for you? I suppose uh, Glasgow, it's the, the the people, the pride in the city. When I, um, in some late 1970s, they started cleaning up the buildings and taking more of a pride in their architecture um, as well as you know, the areas surrounding it. So they gradually cleaned up the buildings from the soot, from yep. the coal fires and the industrial grime and cleaned so you get beautiful honey-coloured and sandstone-coloured buildings and modern architecture has been adapted to have a mixture of uh, links with the old and, and providing the new. Why didn't they make Glasgow the capital city? Because it's got a more big popula bigger population than Edinburgh has. I suppose Edinburgh's got the tradition of the castle and um, Edinburgh Castle and then just down the hill from the from the Edinburgh Castle there's Holyrood Palace which is the royal residence of uh, the royal family when they're in Scotland yeah. and they've created the, the Scottish Parliament there. Yeah of course and of course part of the Edinburgh Castle is the pipes and drums the military band of the Royal Scots Dragoon Guards are part of the castle at the moment. That's right and you're the and of course the Edinburgh Castle is home of the Edinburgh Military Tattoo which plays every year in August. Yes um the 
host of that on when you used to see it on Christmas time. Who was the host that he's now dead? He, he he was a Scot himself, Scottish actor. I'm just trying to think who he was. He used to host the military tattoo on the BBC every year, so um It'll come to it'll come to me anyway. Not Dennis Patterson. No, no. An, another guy, Tom. Somebody used to do a lot of commentary for um, the BBC. But your home, Motherwell. Just tell us about Motherwell. So Motherwell is um, it's an industrial town, and it was home to lots of um, steelworks. Mm. And we, uh, the steelworks were housed there because of the big coal mining industry. And you know, when I was working in the summer, when I was leaving school before going to Polytech, we used to run through the computer system payroll for 14 different steelworks <laughs> in, just in that small area. And uh, all of those steelworks are gone now because heavy, heavy industry has changed in Britain. And so it's been you know, remodeled to light industry and being a commuter town for Glasgow. By the 1930s, most of Scotland's steel production was in Motherwell and owned by the Colville family. In 1959, that family was encouraged by the government to begin a vast new steelworks called Ravenscraig. That's really so significant in Scotland's industrial past. And yet within a few years, nationalisation. That's right, there was British, um, all those private steelworks became um, amalgamated into British steel. Uh, That's what happens with industries. Another thing too, and um, we'll, we'll ask you later, hopefully you've got an answer, are you a member of the Scottish National Party? No, I don't think there is a New Zealand branch, but we could start one. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be interesting with Nicola Sturgeon retiring and the infighting that's going on at the moment between the, all the contenders, Yusuf, um, Humza, Yusuf, uh, and the other contenders are, are all fighting each other at the moment. Yeah, I haven't kept up with the news about what's happened since Nicola has resigned. Yep. But the um, within the people that support the Scottish National Party, their support for independence and the reasons for it is not all based on Nicola. It's based on their belief that independence is better for Scotland. Yeah, and it also it also involves gay marriage. There are a couple of members of the Scottish National Party. Kate Forbes is one who doesn't support gay marriage. And that's part of the infighting in the moment. But on other things, we'll take a music break. You've got a CD here by the Royal Scots Dragoon Guards. What would you like to hear? There's the first two tracks in that CD. One is Highland Cathedral, uh, which is a really well-known slow air. And then the second track is The Gale, which is also known as the theme tune from The Last of the Mohicans. Both of those are beautiful tunes. Yeah, I've got them on separate CDs myself. So let's listen to the fabulous... Highland Cathedral, which sounds great. I've heard it done live and Centre Place, really rock Centre Place that afternoon.
Let's have a discussion on which is the most popular national anthem of Scotland, Flower of Scotland or Scotland the Brave? Flower of Scotland. <laughs> because, as we know, Scotland the Brave was written in about the 50s, so... So you, you go for Flower of Scotland as uh, your national anthem? Yes, that's really been adopted. Um, it was first played... Um, nationally before uh, one of Scotland's greater greatest rugby games um, oh, can't remember exactly the year but we uh, we took this wind out of England's sails and so the Flower of Scotland was the rugby national anthem, um, it was yep. written by the Corries and then it's since been adopted by Scottish people, yep. football crowds, um, you just need to look up YouTube and Scotland, uh, on Flower yep. of Scotland and you'll see yep. Hamden Park singing it, Murrayfield singing it, it's been adopted by popular Claim and Scotland the Brave is there uh, as the other national anthem too, so it's still popular also. And um, absolutely, Bruce. And I think um, Scotland the Brave is a bit harder to sing than Flower of Scotland, so oh, they, they both sound good. That other that version of um, Scotland the Brave was done by Robert Wilson, who was the voice of Scotland for so long and still very popular these days. Yes, yes. When we hear the sound of the bagpipes. Those who have lost their connections, if they had them, with Scotland, imagine the mists, the highlands, I suggest. The lowlands of Scotland is where the wealth was generated. It's about the steel industry, and the year of your birth is significant, 1960, coming as it did, more or less coinciding with the decision to bring that giant steelworks into being, Ravenscraig. Within a few years, the blast furnaces were turning out a million tonnes of steel a year. Nationalisation raised that to three million tonnes. And then the 1980s. So that means you were just leaving your teens then. Yes. Brought a catastrophic collapse in the industry of Motherwell. Yet it had played such a role in your parents' lives... It did, yeah. They met in the steelworks. My dad was um, a chemist and my mum was a chemist and then my father went on to become um, a computer systems analyst uh, and then mum went on to be a homemaker once um, I was the firstborn and then my brother and sister. Little Alec there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, you, you weren't aware of it, I suppose, but that change started in your childhood. And it came to a climax when you were reaching your 20s because there was the steel strike of 1980 and that lost British Steel Corporation contracts and markets. Local customers such as the Linwood Car Factory, Bathgate Truck, truck Factory, you'd know these firms. Yes, yep. And, and you were you're... watching it as, a, as an adolescent and wondering what on earth would your world be? Well, you you sometimes you observe these things and what's going on and experience the direct or indirect effects of them. Um, um, but as a your teenager, early twenty something, sometimes your your life is focused on your own life or perhaps other issues. Um, so you know the independence movement. There was a lot of. Uh, um, protests at that time for the campaign for nuclear disarmament um, so there's all sorts of different focuses you have as a, as a young person and sometimes you get involved in politics or industry or sometimes you just get involved in other things Music? Music, at that time for me no, 
Um, I was into running. My father was a runner as well. So, um, and we would, as children, we'd often go to the Highland Games where he was running, but the whole of the bagpipe sound was part of the background for it. I probably sowed a seed. Um, so, so, yeah. you, so you went to Braemar, did you? Not to Braemar. We would go to some of the other, like the, the pure amateur Highland Games, like the Cowell Gathering at the end of August or um, Fort William, or you know, uh, we went to the Borders one year. Um, I can't remember the names of all of them now. But. It's, it's quite interesting looking back at parts of Scottish history. The Lockerbie disaster yes. on the borders. Yes. Um, that plane came down, killing many, many people, and was a bomb. And um, in the end, it, uh, it came out of Iraq. That was uh, them that did the bombing. That, that was a sad day for the borders and, of course, um, Lockerbie. Yeah, that's right. Any disasters like that are sad for the people of it, whether it's in Scotland or any other country. It's all. It's um, very sad when that happens to communities. And, and of course, um, you, you talk about uh, Glasgow and Clydeside, and one of the most famous people on Clydeside worked there as a ship fitter was the great Sir Billy Connolly. Yes, that's right. He's world famous in the world now, not just world famous in Scotland. And he, and he tells the story of him being on, on the, in the shipyards um, as he was growing up. And then he, of course, joined the army or something as a... As a as a teenager. Yeah, if I remember right, he tried to be in the paratroopers as a territorial, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so, so the many, many, many famous Scots have found their niche in um, being in the shipyards or et cetera, et cetera. Well, the, the, uh, back in those days, the industry was a big employer in, in that part of the west of Scotland. It was the coal mining, the steel and the steel supply, the shipbuilding industry and the motor building industry. So they were big employers in those days. And you were part of that, but briefly. Very briefly, yes. What did you do there? I was um, helped out in the computer operations department where my dad worked, and I would work shifts, and we would... Um, the computers in those days were... Um, I had a big, I, great big mainframes and stacks of hard disks and great big reel-to-reel magnetic tapes, and a, there was a lot of manual input into those computer systems then. You knew what you were doing? Yes. And what did it lead to? Um, and career-wise, I didn't do computing at all. I ended up being a quantity surveyor working in the construction industry. And that's taken me from Scotland to Hong Kong and then Portugal and now New Zealand. Came to New Zealand in 1996. And in New Zealand, I've had quite a varied career of which um, the most unusual part is helping out with the Christchurch and Kaikoura earthquakes in the insurance industry. I put my hand up to do about two or three weeks of assessing properties. I ended up doing 10 years of work and helping out um, mostly businesses. You must have been to so many Highland games over the years. I have, yes. I've been to a lot in Scotland and in New Zealand has its own versions as well. The most recent? The most recent was Pyroa, oh. uh, which was uh, two weeks ago. They're, they're famous for the Highland games. They've, they've been going on for over 40 years, those Highland games. Something like so. that, yep. What was the format? Oh, Pyro is um, in the morning they have solo contests for bagpipers, drummers and Highland dancers. 
in the afternoon they have contests for the pipe bands and they have heavy events like tossing the caber mm-hmm. there's a whole village of tents for um, the Scottish clans to be there to talk about genealogy and clan stuff and there's also people selling Scottish goods like kilts and um, skin doos and dirks and then there's you know other retailers selling stuff that's a bit more fun and but the weather the weather was is usually great in Pyroa. The other thing about Pyroa as well, as well as the contest in the afternoon, they have the evening tattoo, which has a whole mixture of um, bagpipe displays and solo, solo piper at the end and tossing the caber and the haggis ceremony and uh, a whole bunch of things that keep the family entertained until about nine o'clock at night when it gets dark. Ben Kruaken, Ben Arkel, Ben Alderman, the proud peaks of Scotland are calling. Have you ever climbed some of those proud peaks of Scotland? You mean the hills? Yeah. Uh, Loch Lomond. Uh, the Ben Lomond is the one that I've uh, really climbed. Loch, near, have you been near Loch Ness? Uh, no. Have you tried your hand at tossing the cable? No, they're a wee bit big for me. <laughs> I admire the skill of the people that do it. At Pyro, I get to toast the caber. One of the committee wrote a little poem. Uh, but you have your own skills to offer yeah. as drum major of the Hamilton Caledonian Society Pipe Band. That's correct. When you get to uh, toss something too, do you? Well, I don't do the tossing. The role of my role as drum major is uh, primarily when we have the street march or parades. I march out in front with the mace and you'll give direction to the band as to when to halt, when to do a left wheel or a right wheel, and generally keep them in a straight line when they're supposed to be in a straight line. And you're also keeping the rhythm because it's important that um, for the pipe band to relax and play their music well when we're in contest, that I have to set a good rhythm and make them feel confident that they're going in the right direction. You don't toss the mace. No, um, some people do, but that's not for me. I took this up as quite late in life when I was asked to help out with the pipe band. I think uh, mace flourishing by tossing it in the air is more something for the younger people. There's another celebration coming up. It's the celebration of swing or uh, um, spring. It's called Wapiti Sori. You're going to be celebrating when spring arrives? Perhaps tell me a bit more about that. Please. It's, it's a, a celebration that. of spring in Scotland. It's called Wapiti Sori. That's a new one on me. <laughs> <laughs> I, was look, I was looking up the history of that, but uh, they do celebrate spring in Scotland. Mm. And uh, that's what they call it. Let's play another tune. We're going to play um, The Last of the Mohicans, theme from the Pipes and Drums, the military band, the Royal Scots Dragoon Guards. I'm just uh, lying and lining it uh, up again. So, <laughs> as the drum major, um, I caught the repair shop the other night and they were repairing a drum which you would be playing so uh. well actually as drum major that's one of the weird things about um, a pipe band I don't actually play the drum <laughs> I'm, that's a title it's a, a title for my role um, and the pipe major is the person that leads the band in terms of the musical arrangements particularly for the bagpipes and the lead drummer for musical arrangements is the drum sergeant so so who's the guy who throws the big stick in the ear that's the drum major that's, that's you me. that's yes. you but i don't do the throwing i, I will i will um 
use it in different ways, um, including when we're doing a, a, a wheel, which means turning to the left or right, I will move my mace around and then stick it out at shoulder level and tell them when it's time to turn. Has, has it ever hit your head? No. <laughs> <laughs> Looks very impressive. Yes. Well, it, it does look impressive. But for every occasion in the public eye, there's been a lot of rehearsal hours, time put into perfecting instruments, timing. Absolutely, yes. Um, you know, when, before I came to join yourselves today, um, some, uh, one of your friends spotted us practicing in Hinemoa Park um, down near Seddon Road Roundabout. We go there in the summer months just before the contest because we do need to practice on grass because that when we do the competing, we are practicing on grass and it gives a different sound. So it's important to do that. So we get in the public eye a wee bit in those uh, weeks before March. You don't get complaints from the neighbours for the bagpipes, do you? Anyone complain in the area? Uh, there have been one or two, but usually the majority of people are really excited to hear it. it it's good stuff. Here's that, here's that theme from the Kevin Costner movie. No, no, it wasn't him. It was another movie he made. What's the, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. That's, that's the, the one. That's, that's the one. one. Yep. you're a big fan of Harry Lauder and of course Robert Burns Harry Lauder was not was before my time I know obviously I know who he is he was a great Scottish music hall singer Robert Burns well I could talk for ages about Robert Burns Robert Burns um, if the listeners don't know he was Scotland's national poet and from the 18th century his work was revered then and still is now um I've got with me a book of his work which has got over 600 items in it and as far as I'm concerned the man's an absolute genius. He had a a quote for everybody. (laughs) Yes, and actually some of his work has been borrowed by other people. For instance, John Steinbeck in his book Of Mice and Men stole a few lines from Robert Burns' uh, poem To a Mouse. Yeah, no, I've heard To a Mouse done by Robert Carlyle. And also Ian Cuthbertson. You remember those two actors? Yes, yes. Um, so it, it's brilliant to hear in their class, Weijin, the accents, um, both doing Robert Burns. And we celebrate Robert Burns on January 25. I've been to a Burns supper. Have you? You've been probably to them too? Yes, well, January the 25th is Robert Burns' birthday. Um, and I've been at several Burns suppers um, for many, many years, and sometimes I'll do poetry at it. Um, I'll usually do the haggis ceremony at Burn Suppers and um, other poetry and some of the traditional speeches, such as the immortal memory or the toast to the lassies. It, 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 it is sad that he only he died at a, the age of 37, but, of course, 
as we all know, he's a heavy drinker. And his womanising, that uh, ended his life prematurely. So... Yes, well, um, his he, he did drink, but one of his poems was um, that he he was forced to drink to keep company of friends, and he would rather not have drunk because he had rheumatic fever when he was younger, and he also had um, a toothache problem um, where he had an infection from having bad teeth, and that contributed to his um, his early demise as well, and it made it very difficult for him to drink and not suffer the effects. Have you been to his cottage in Alloway? Yes. And his mausoleum in Dumfries, and yeah, Robert Burns is a hero of mine. So you're a hero to those who request the uh, haggis and need the services of the haggis man. I hope so. You've filled in that uh, role many times. Yes, I mean, I do it for any Cayleys, um, and I do it for Burns Suppers, and it is part and parcel of the evening tattoo at Pyroa, where I get to do it in front of the audience, out in the middle of the paddock, uh, marching out with a head microphone on, and relying the sound man to just bring me in just at the right time. Your voice booming out across the uh, venue? That's right, yes. Has anybody turned up their noses when you tell them what's in the haggis? Some do, but then that just means there's more for the rest of us that enjoy it. Oh, don't tell them. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's the same with black puddings. You, we probably love black puddings like, like the rest of us, and uh, I have to explain to them, what's in the black pudding? Blood. And uh, that turns up people's noses too. Yep, again, if people don't like it, it just means that there's more for the rest of us <laughs> that do. And a good, and a good dram of whiskey too. Absolutely, yes. Do you have any difficulties attracting newcomers to the Hamilton Caledonian Society Pipe Band? Um, probably more the problem is retaining members as you, you train the younger players and then you go off to university in different parts of the country and get jobs in different parts of the country. That's sometimes a challenge. Attracting new members seems to be fine. We have a... Um, we have very good tutors within the band for both piping and drumming. We have an active teaching program for youngsters and um, we have a, a, a separate band called the Lewis Turrell Memorial Trust Band, which is specifically set up to provide an opportunity for younger players to come through, not just from the Hamilton region, but from the wider Waikato, Coromandel. So they could be players associated with other bands such as Rotorua yeah. or other areas, and they can come and be part of that band and get an opportunity to compete. Um, and when we go to the Christchurch Nationals in Christchurch in the middle of March, there are eight juvenile bands competing in that category category from different parts of the country so there is um, and your current development band that is, was playing in the contests this this month uh, probably about 80% of them are younger people under the age of 25 Okay, where, where's your HQ? Where do you hang out? We have a band hall in High Street in Frankton, just beside the railway overbridge and yes. that's where we do most of our practice. Yeah. And um, so when, when's your next exhibition? Where, where are you going to be playing next? Well, we've just had one contest in Tierra yesterday. We were playing at um, Pyro um, two weeks ago, and the next contest will be in Christchurch in March in Hagley Park, where we'll be one of about nearly 50 pipe bands competing. If uh, you want people to join you, will you help with the fit-out of kilts and other gear? Because it, it, it can get expensive. 
It can do, but there, there are band uniforms. So once people join the band and they get up to the standard for playing, um, playing drums or or um, pipes, then uniforms are available to fit people. I have to be cheeky right now. Do your bandsmen wear nothing under their kilts? A true Scotsman never tells. <laughs> and does the haggis man eat the haggis? Yes. <laughs> it, it's good. We're, we're learning a lot about uh, Scotland and the city of Hamilton. To me, there are about 17 Hamiltons around the world. I know there's one in Canada. I know there's one in Scotland. Where are the other Hamiltons in the world? Well, that's a good quiz question. Um, there's a Hamilton Island in Australia. Uh, I would need to Google that one, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it's good to hear a good old Scottish accent. Let's play... What's the song we're playing now? So this is one of the bands that's responsible for Scotland's um, cultural resurgence. This is Runrig. Yep. Uh, they've been around... They recently stopped playing after about 45 years of touring. And this is a tune they wrote called Every River. It's just a beautiful song very uh just beautiful just listen to the yeah. lyrics of, of course they also do a live version of Loch Lomond too the, and which I might find in a couple of seconds stand by yes that'd be great believe in magic expect me to come in. suicide of the heart you ask me to play this game Without question Raising stakes On this shotgun roulette But every river I try to cross Every hill I try to climb Every ocean I try to swim Hey, mate, it's a pleasure meeting you and all the best to your comrades in the pipe band and give, a, give them our best. And uh, we'll leave you with Ranurug doing Loch Lomond. This is going out live. Thank you for coming in this afternoon. Thank you, Bruce. And it's, if it's anyone wants to know it's, more about Hamilton Pipe Band, just look us up on Google. And, yep, no, we'll do that later in the day. Thank you very much, mate. Bye-bye. Thank you. That's... That is Alec Calderwood. Originally from Motherwell, now a proud Scottish Kiwi. Where the sun shines on Loch Lomond, where me and my true love spend many days on the
With the help of the late Johnny Cash, celebrating his birthday today, would be 91 today. And as the Orange Blossom special, just a note of Scottish history, talk about trains in Scotland, it's the 128th anniversary of the Flying Scotsman. It's been celebrated right at this present moment. Hello, JD. Hello, Bruce. How, How are you? Are you? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm as I said, good. it's a celebration of the Flying Scotsman on Scotland at the moment. Yes, I've heard about that. I'm very good, yeah. How are you, fun. young man? Uh, I've been uh, very good, actually. I'm okay. still going great. What have you got to tell us about today? Well, um, on Saturday, the 18th of March um, this year, 2023, um, the Tehuia and Bussard, so Go Bus, will be, will be providing services to the Zuru Night Glow. So pretty much um, people can get on the Tehuia at Auckland at 1.30 and travel down to Hamilton arriving at 4.05 where they can catch the bus um, waiting at the station and take it to the Zero Nightglow where it will be held. And uh, of course you, you're going to the Nightglow yourself? Uh, possibly, possibly. <laughs> so um, one thing I do want to talk about is yep. so a single fare is thirty one eighty, and then a normal family pass so that is one adult and up to three children that is seventy four dollars forty and then you have the bigger family pass which is two adults and up to four children and that is one hundred sixteen dollars and sixty and in the ticket that would, that would provide bus services from the zero nightglow back to the railway station and catch the return surface back to Auckland. Can people of my vintage, over 60 plus, can they use their B cards that are connected to Super Gold so they get them for free? Well, at this point in time, I am not too sure, <laughs> but if I were to have a guess, then most likely yes. It, it, it's good for you to keep us up with uh, what is happening with the with the trains, and um, of course you've been watching you've been watching the floods in Auckland, and of course train mm-hmm. services have been stopped and mm-hmm. suspended. And yeah, it's quite sad. A lot, lot of railway lines are damaged. Hey, how, was there any damage to Glenbrook? Um, a little bit, but I have some good news. They yes. are operating again every Sunday, I believe. So, um, hooray, they're operating for everyone to have fun. Yeah, of course, they had rain in Auckland overnight. I saw some of the pictures last night of more rain in Auckland adding to the misery, but yeah. hopefully everything is hopefully everything is going all right. Yep, hopefully everything will be good. And the day, um, 18th of March... 2023 on Saturday. Hopefully, everything will be well, going you, right. Well, you'll, you'll keep us informed on uh, yep. what's coming up next. Anyway, th- thank you, JD. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's, it's a pleasure. We'll, we'll see you out, out the back after we've finished here at 2 o'clock. And we'll have a little chat. Yep. All right. Sounds good, Bruce. It's, it's a pleasure. Hey, just a note here Andrew Brider, Hamilton City Council, one of the organisers for the uh, Citizens Assembly or Town Talk or a Community Corridor. Three are planned over the next three weeks to wrap around the LG Review Group's public webinars. Their aim is to promote public engagement with a summary um, submission to the Review Group by the 28th of February deadline. Well, that deadline is next week. Um, So I hope you put in some... This is old news, actually... Um, We've, we've got to miss that because it's all it's it's all over. There was a public session earlier this month featuring Michael Bassett, local government minister who drew drove the nineteen eighty nine reforms. So I hope you put in your submissions to Hamilton City Councillor Andrew Brider. This 
is free of him, 89.0. Um, yeah, that um, that quarter on. Um, I hope you put in. Uh, I hope you put in some submissions to this because things are gonna. You've got to kind of get into the faces of these Hamilton City councillors just to say what is going on in um, your particular area. As we see it, it's Johnny Cash's birthday today. Cash and birthday boy today, I walk the line, Mel. Andrew Bidder, Hamilton City Councillor, was one of the organisers for, well, what was it, Andrew? A citizens Assembly or Town Talk? Community Corridor? What did you yeah, end up calling three, it? Really. Uh, all three of those. So, uh, good afternoon to both your listeners. Um, and uh, we decided to do it essentially because uh, the government and the council uh, were doing a very poor job of public consultation. So with uh, uh, no budget and not much time uh, alongside former Mayor Margaret Evans and, and constantly Waikato District Council, uh, Waikato District Council, Waikato University, uh, we decided to uh, get some good public involvement in the discussion because it is uh, once in a generation change to the way councils operate so it is quite important um, and we still have two days left to put in our submission. Yeah, we've just been um, mentioning what's going on and um, yeah no what are what are people saying about the city of Hamilton at the moment the, the issues what, what's fa- what are the issues facing them? 
Uh, the big issues are, of course, um, debt rates um, and frustration with services. Uh, but perhaps the most significant one is um, the lack of engagement. Um, uh, at the last elections um, across the country, we were generally getting around 30% um, voter turnout for council elections, which um, is a pretty shocking indictment uh, on councils. And the feeling that uh, why bother voting if you're not listened to? Um, and, uh, you know, this should be a democracy. We should have higher levels of involvement. Um, and the consultation process adopted by uh, governments and councils, I think, have been somewhat lacking. And we've seen that clearly with the three waters from the government side of things. Um, and so there's a lot of improvements that need to be made. Um, and this is an opportunity yeah. to also have a deeper rethink about... Well, well, yeah, well, one of the problems in the city is the street lighting and Hill Street. It's in darkness when I leave here on a Saturday night to go downtown, yeah. and I'm going downtown through Hill Street in complete yeah. darkness. The street lights haven't worked for about six weeks or even longer, and I fear for my life going down that street now. Yes, and it comes back to the purpose of council is providing basic functional services and uh, for decades um, those core services have been underfunded while vanity projects have gone ahead um, and we are paying for that now. Yep. We are also paying for the security in the city which is I'm, I'm afraid is poor. Watching people getting drunk three nights a week um, yes. the public urinating the police having to run around the streets picking up these people who are fighting and we we need a great we need greater security in the city yes and ram raids yep um, yeah it is um shocking and something that has started off fairly recently um, and we need to get on top of it um, and um you know, some people in council would say that's not council's responsibility, but I say um, at the very least we should be lobbying on behalf of the people of Hamilton for better uh, funding from central government of police to have better yeah. focus on these sorts of issues. Um, that is a huge role for what council and council laws should be doing. Part of the security, Andrew, is the street people, the homeless. I call them vagrants. They are causing issues 24 hours a day, seven days a week in the streets of Hamilton. And Ulster Street in particular. On Victoria Street, on the back streets, the side streets, all over town. They are kind of standing over people for money and food, etc., etc. And since Andrew King, when Andrew King was mayor, he said, oh, we've got to love them. Mate, Andrew, you're out of touch. Um, yeah, something. I think the city needs vagrancy laws now. Yes, I would agree. Um, we need to deal with it, um, but we also need a slightly deeper solution. Um, if we kick them out of the CBD, yeah. Yeah, where do they go? Become a problem elsewhere. So we need a more comprehensive solution, um, and that does involve 
compelling the government departments to get their act together um, and come and join us with a coordinated Hamilton-based approach. Yeah, and not not put night shelters in populated areas. There's a night shelter now on Hood Street, and I sorry on Hill Street, and I believe there are all sorts of problems coming out of that premises. Yes, I feel for the neighbours. Uh, I can understand uh, uh, there is an advantage for the police in knowing exactly where the problem areas are. Hey, it's tough for you guys on council. I'm, I, I know some of your former colleagues and Martin and also Dave Mack, and yes. they faced these problems when they were in council too. Yes, so to be blunt, we've had enough time to solve it. So when you had it on your program, a panel discussion, looking back why local government is broken, that was designed to be provocative, was it? Yes, uh, and that is a comment um, that was made in the, uh, the government's approach to uh, the local government review. Um, so it is provocative, but it's hardly controversial uh, because we all know it to be true. Um, and uh, I just doubt that what the government is coming up with will fix it. So I think there is um, an urgent need for um, um, stronger action on this. And this being an election with central government, um, where currently the polls are pretty close, I would like to see National come up with a policy on local government, so we've got something to compare things yeah. with. And, 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 Andrew, you, you talked about Three Waters. Who's the new local body, who's the new local minister at the moment? Since Nanaima Hoot has been promoted. Uh, yes. Um, it, it becomes so important, so unimportant, I, I can't recall the name of the uh, local government minister. Um, I know Mayor Paul Southgate has gone to visit the person. Um, I'm probably more aware of uh, the person who's been appointed as head of uh, the uh, um, Three Waters body for our region, which is Vaughan Payne. Um, he used to be uh, chief executive of Waikato Regional yep. Council. Um, so but that's taken more of my interest than um, the central government politics. It, it, uh, Andrew, it's good to speak to you as a lo as a local city councillor on the on the matters we've just brought up. The security, three waters. What's the council stand on three waters at the moment? We are actually unified as councillors and staff in our opposition to it, um, which is kind of interesting because we've we've taken the money, the bribe, um, to be part of the process essentially because um, we've got no choice um, the government has passed the law it's going ahead um, uh, a change in political party at the end of the year might throw a spanner in the works but otherwise uh, we are stuck on it um, we have put in a submission into council um, pointing out all the problems and mistakes in the system that the government has come up with and uh, you know there are like a hundred pages of, of issues that they've identified uh, 
How to be a politician. <laughs> yes, and, and uh, I did make the point to some other councillors that um, the lack of government response to our feedback as a council, um, which is kind of upsetting, is probably pretty similar to um, what many voters and ratepayers feel about the council. <laughs> Ignored at your peril. Yes, that's right. From these meetings, where public were invited sometimes to make their contributions, did you sense any sort of groundswell of discontent that would amount to what in the past had arisen when it concerned the, um, the rating system, which was reviewed back in 2007? And there was also the controversial uh, recommendation of the Royal Commission on Auckland which led to the Auckland super city <laughs> and often we sense that people in the back blocks didn't feel connected to these high level discussions Yes uh, so I will touch on um, the amalgamation issue first um, rates is so we'll come back to that second. Um, now, uh, there is a government push towards amalgamation, and uh, the uh, with Auckland, it appeared sensible at the time, um, and uh, rates shot up in Auckland afterwards, uh, which was the complete opposite of what was supposed to happen. Um, and uh, there is a core issue within councils um, about economies of scale um, where you would expect a bigger council to be able to use its bigger resources to be more efficient. Now, that usually applies well in businesses. Um, but your average business has got a single focus. So the problem I've identified with councils um, is that Hamilton, for instance, has got 28 different business units, which range from um, swimming pools, dog control, librarians, um, uh, building consents, all very different and all needing their own um, systems. But we have a bureaucracy that is trying to provide uh, a system that's all things to everyone which makes it incredibly complicated for every individual. And, and the example I use with that is um, the human resources might have to be looking after OSH stuff for uh, librarians and um, pool attendants. So the librarian is at risk of a paper cut, the pool attendant is at risk of drowning. Those are extremely different ends of the scale. You have a system that's complicated enough to suit management um, and integrate 
some of those functions or amalgamate some of those functions with other councils. So an example would be building consents. Um, building consents are already governed by um, nationwide legislation, the Building Act and the Building Code. Um, there's no real sense in having separate building units for WIPA, WIPADO, Matamata, um Howarapi, Hamilton, all of these councils in our area. You could amalgamate those um, um, because they don't need any local elected representation. Um, other areas are still much better um, well, the, the people need some local touch, some local communication, some local problem solving. So I would still retain um, the councils, but simplify them and amalgamate some of the functions outside of councils. I think that would make a big difference to reducing the bureaucracy, reducing the overhead for a lot of the business units, and um, allows those ones to get the economies of scale. Um, and keep the cost down yeah. um, for everyone else while maintaining local representation. Another so, cost, oh, so, sorry, Andrew, another cost to the ratepayers is contacting the city council to, say, lay a complaint about noise control. And some yeah. of them, they've got only a bit of credit on their cell phones. How about introducing an 0800 number so people oh, can, like can, so people can ring the council and make it easy instead of sitting there waiting to be put to a department and you get these messages saying you are about a hundredth in line to, to speak to somebody at the council. How about introducing, and my mate Trevor is listening out the back at the moment, putting an 0800 number so people can make contact with your council easier and less expensive? Yes, I like that a lot. Uh, those are the sorts of good solutions um, that come from outside council. Um, uh, (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think you understand that. Um, And uh, there is a wider issue about um, problem solving for people. Um, Because council is a monopoly um, and you don't have a choice uh, if they get poor service, you can't take your money elsewhere. And when you're dealing with issues, particularly something that's a little bit out of the norm, or you're actually wanting the council to do something, um, I talk about the five Ds of bureaucracy. So when you contact them, um, first you get delayed, um, then you might get deferred and passed on to someone else. Um, uh, then they might uh, dismiss um, say what you're saying is unimportant or, or um, not relevant or come up with an excuse um, then deny um, and uh, finish by defending themselves against any further pushes by which time the majority of people have given up um, now that might make it a little bit easier um, immediately for councils because they've got fewer complaints to deal with but the long-term frustration um, is far more damaging. Yeah. Um, and I've been in the, the thick of that for pretty much the last 10 years. And you know, my business is um, of architectural yeah. design yeah. and uh, property development um, means that literally every week I have some issue 
with the councils. Um, I'm, I'm working across a dozen different councils, so uh, I'm not just blaming Hamilton. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I'm blaming all councils. Yep. And it is hugely frustrating. Yeah, but back, back to security. There's been a man plaguing me for the last two and a half to three years. Living, He lives in a car on Nisbet Street by Wintech there. And yeah. he's, he's threatened to assault me. Um, yeah. Because I used to live with a guy, and he he he's, he had a go at me at the end of last year. Coming, he ran up. I got protection from the WinTech security team, but this guy oh, is yeah. this guy. It is hard to get him removed. I've rung the council time and time and time again, and I've done yes. absolutely nothing. Yes, and um, I I understand your pain. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there many times. Yeah. Andrew um, Bitter. Yeah. is a Hamilton City Councillor and one of the organisers of the Citizens' Assembly. on, And that was to gather feedback. And you've uh, shown that there have been active yeah. uh, input by the citizens of this city. And thank you for that, Andrew. It, it's good to speak to a guy directly, like a councillor, instead of going through all the bureaucracy. Yes, um, we've got to cut the bureaucracy. We've got to make it easier. We've got to be more responsive. Um, these are things that people have been saying for 20 years. Um, I want to make a change. Uh, Andrew. The system resists change, but I am going to try. Any, Andrew, we'll keep in touch and uh, we'll get back to you when all the submissions are done and uh, we'll have another chat. Very good. Thank you very much. There, there we are. That's a Hamilton City Councillor. You're impressed, Wayne? Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> anyway, um, we're not, we're not going to talk about council. We're going to talk about the Regent Theatre in Te Aumutu. Okay, the Regent Theatre in Te Aumutu. Um, if we can pass the book over here. Okay, the Regent Theatre in Te Aumutu was, um, was done in 1932 to 1932. Mm-hmm. And this Regent Theatre in Te Aumutu has been one of the biggest theatres um, in, the hemis- uh, in the hemisphere. When I was down there um, in 19... I think it was 1989 or 1990. Oh, you're in short pants. <laughs> um, I was down there and um, apparently they had a big um, 75th Jubilee thing down there for the big opening. And also they had the old TV1 yep. um, reporters. And what actually happened was that I was actually running down the street and... Um, <coughs> I had a trolley full of stuff, and the only way I could get away from it is um, actually hide my face away from the TV cameras and the reporters. <laughs> you were wanted. Um, yeah, so this um, Regent Theatre in Te Aumutu is one of the biggest um, seminars in Te Aumutu. Um, if anyone wants to go, um, it's down in Alexander Street, Te Aumutu. It's... Um, it's a upstairs and a downstairs seminar. I think it's about six uh, theatres in there. Yep. And yep. From there. Hey, we'll have to talk about this another day, mate, because we've got to get Trevor in before we go at two o'clock. All right.
Okay, there's a theme to The Man From Uncle. Oh, yes, we talked about that the other day. Yeah, we, we were talking about that yesterday. How are you, young Trevor? Oh, not too bad. Hey, did you catch our um, talk with the uh, Hamilton City Councilor? Uh, yeah, I, I, I did actually. Uh uh, in parts there, but there's somebody doing some hammering next door, so I didn't get too too much of it. Well, I said to him about the 0800 number, and he's going to look into it, my friend. Oh, join the club. <laughs> I've rung up about that too. Anyway, what are you? What are your thoughts this week uh, about what's happening with the cyclone? Yes, and whatnot, and, and, and how this is going to affect people throughout the country, taxes and rates and whatnot to cover it. Why doesn't the, if they're not already doing so, the Lotteries Commission, like Lotto, all their profits, instead of going to the sports club or wherever they've seen it, the money to, to go into the flood relief fund? I think that's what every charity or organisation, horse racing, any form of gambling, casinos and so on, all profits will go towards that. I've been thinking of about another, how about another telephone? Well, that was not a bad idea. It's a good idea that, Bruce, that's another aspect as well. And another thing, too, this is planet's coming intolerable to live in because there's another cyclone coming. And after all this is over, as the year proceeds, we're going to probably end up in a massive drought. So one extreme to the other. Yeah, climate, climate, it's called climate change. And, exactly. And, and climate change deniers like Mike Hosking and Heather Duplessis-Allen. Oh, so ignorant because and scientists have been saying that for years and I say, oh, they have their summits and I say, we must do something about it and, 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 and things need to be action taken now. But yep. the trouble is they don't know what the solution is. Yep. And, of course, they've just had a cyclone in Scotland. Cyclone Otto has just gone through Scotland in the last couple of weeks. Oh, well, there's nowhere sacred in this world, I'll tell you, with the way the clock America's suffering very bad with it at the moment. Hey, thank you for your thoughts today. We'll do it again next week. We'll leave you with the late, great Johnny Cash's <laughs> birthday today. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Love is a burning thing. And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns the ring of fire, the ring of fire. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher, and it burns, 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 the ring of fire, the ring of fire. The taste of love is sweet, when hearts like ours meet. I fell for you like a child. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. 
Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.